Would you like an opinion on a financial matter you're dealing with? Whether it's about retirement, investments, taxes, or 401ks, Scott Hansen and Pat McLean would like to help you by answering your call to join Allworth's Money Matters. Call now at 833-99-WORTH. That's 833-99-WORTH. Welcome to All Worth Money Matters. I'm Scott Hansen. I'm Pat McLean. Glad you are with us. We're going to have some fun this next hour because you are with the two financial advisors. And what is more enjoyable than that? Most things. <laughs> Certified financial planner, charter financial consultant. We help people plan their financial futures and come broadcast on the weekends uh, in your ears to uh, help you with your finances, make you have, help you make wise choices and all that kind of good stuff. So... If you'd like to be part of our program, we'd love to hear from you. 833-99-WORTH is our contact number. 833-99-WORTH. That's 833-999-6784. And, um, and let's, I think we've got, let's just go right to the calls. But it says this is Susan Walker. Yeah. All right. Well, let's try. Yeah. Would you believe it's Roger? Oh, Roger. It's Roger. Close. Roger. Close. All right, Roger. Roger, welcome to All Worth Money Matters. What can we do for you? Thank you. I appreciate your your having this open time to call in. So I've thought about calling a lot, but never did. Uh, one one very quick personal question. On the website, I don't get there very often, but when I look at them, I can't tell. I don't really know who's who. I'm the guy with hair, Pat. <laughs> Pat has hair. Yes. Okay, perfect. Yeah, yeah. All right. Scott is the guy with well, muscles. Here's my question. <laughs> he's, the, he's strong like an ant. <laughs> Thanks, Pat. Here, here's my question. Yes. So I've, I've, I've looked at various ways in terms of inheritance and the idea of maybe perhaps giving something now rather than waiting until I die. Um, and we have we have two rental properties, one of which is occupied by my daughter and her family. And the thought occurred to me that perhaps it would be wiser to give them the property now rather than wait until I pass away and then they receive it as an inheritance. Well, maybe. How old are you? Me, I'm 67, retired. And what is your approximate, and you're married? You married, yes. Okay. What's your approximate net worth, including the rental properties? Ooh, maybe I don't know, million five, something like that. Okay. So, and what are the million? What are the rental properties worth? Uh, we purchased it five years ago for three two ninety five. So I'm guessing about three fifty, maybe three twenty five in that range. And are you living off of any of, of your investments? No. And I do have a pension. And you're living off your pension. And you don't Correct. need this income at all if you gave it to your daughter. Uh, no. And do you, you're, no, you have a survivor benefit on your pension should you predecease your spouse? Yes. Full, full continuance. So... It, you have, you said you had two, you have how many children? Three, three daughters. Okay. 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 So, so here's where the, the rub comes in. If you gave one of the, of the children $295,000 home, um, there's no mortgage on the property? No mortgage. Okay. You're going to have to turn around and give the other two the Something. same amount. Sure. At Understood. the same time. Your net worth is- That would have to be specified in some- in some document, I'm assuming. Well, so that's that's so that's that's where you're going to run into the problem. So you may or may not. I don't know your family, but most families, I've, I've one kid gets a three hundred thousand dollar house, three hundred sixty-five thousand dollar house. The other ones would be like, what? Like, and then they say they, and you say, well, no, I put it aside in the trust that they actually you get it when we die. And they're like, well, that we don't know when that is, mom and dad. I mean, that's 25, 30 years. Why are you treating this child better than the other yeah, children? Yeah, I'm paying rent. I'm paying a mortgage. Right. Nice... And all of a sudden they get this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I got to tell you, it is. Um, it, if you had enough, if you had enough assets where you could give them all $350,000 worth of value, then but, that's one thing. But, but you, you don't. don't. 
You don't. It's it's a million five. And, and I tell you, look, my, I my wife and I redid our trust. Right, I, we, Scott and I are pretty open on this show. We redid our trust recently. My oldest is how old is he? Twenty five, uh, business d- degree. My third child, second child is a teacher, really super smart. Third child has a degree in economics. Uh, fourth child has got uh, is in college for business. Degree. Now you're just showing off. Well, that they, they all graduated. They're all perfect kids. <laughs> oh, it's it's honor their mother like crazy. Oh, it's it's like leave it to Beaver right there at our house. There's no <laughs> no drama whatsoever. No, no, there's no Irish arguments. There's none of that. I um, never drank. Never <laughs> smoked marijuana. No, perfect. Never missed a day of school. No. Anyway, so. We redid our trust, and Scott Hansen was the trustee on my trust in case, but my kids are of age now, they're responsible. So we named two out of the four as trustees, right? Thinking, well, they're probably the most capable to. We told the four kids about it. It it, it didn't work. <laughs> That's hilarious. I hadn't heard the story. It didn't work. You're still now the trustee on my trust okay. because it couldn't, the two, and by the way, it doesn't mean they're going to get more than anyone else. It just means that they had to handle the administrative task of dissolving the estate. They just didn't like the idea of their older sibling having upper hand on them. Or that as someone that we were showing favoritism one over the other, even though it was an administrative task, that no one would get more than the other based upon the laws and how the trust was written. My point being is you're, it's hard enough to actually keep the siblings talking to each other if you divide it equally. But if you start putting one in front of the other, I would not recommend. I actually that. had a client years ago said my son actually has a business. We're going to give him a hundred thousand dollars to 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 put into his business. I said you got to turn around and give the other sibling a hundred grand, and they did. I said because at the end of the day, if you create disharmony in the family that the siblings aren't talking to each other, what's it? What's the point? What's what have you achieved? I mean, the hope is that your kids all talk to each other after you're gone. You don't actually want to lay it up that you actually create the animosity between them. Right. I yeah, know. I was more concerned. Well, I was originally concerned about the, the tax. We have no idea what tax are going to be in the tax future. Advantages or disadvantages, have, et cetera, et cetera. If, you like if you're on your deathbed right now, if you're on your deathbed and say, I've got three weeks to live, we say hold the asset. That way it receives a step-up basis and capital gain taxes are forgiven, then transferred it. It'll be transferred at your death. But you're not. <laughs> but, but the net worth of, of $1.5 it's highly unlikely the estate taxes will affect you, either now or in the future. That, I, I'll bet on that. Yeah. Your, your net worth okay. isn't high enough. You're not going to have a state tax. And I'm I'm and also betting that the step-up basis is going to be eliminated. My point. guess is the step-up basis will look something like a capital gains at the dissolution of the property uh, if inherited, which means that it carries its basis forward uh, until, until it's disposed it's, yeah, of. I would probably. That would be my guess. But um, I like the way you're thinking. Don't do anything. Yeah. Wish you well. Okay. Yep. So the personal outweighs any kind of financial. There's and, not and much you financial there anyway. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's, you're, 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 okay. All right. Appreciate the call. Can right. I sneak in one more question? Sure. Fire away. Okay. So I have in my um, IRA, I've retired, so all my 401k was voted to IRA. And I decided originally that I wanted to manage a small piece of it because I thought it was interesting and fun. So I've got uh, about, currently, this is after the increase, I've got about 600000 that's managed by uh, a firm, a large firm. And I've got 300000 that I'm managing, but I'm realizing that I'm not really managing it. And I think I should look to have someone manage it. The question is, does it make sense to have a different company manage that? I don't think so. So I could get a feel for a different company or should I just lump it into the one? And then if I decide to transfer to someone else, do the The problem with, so the problem with having two different accounts, there's a, there's a number of problems. Although you might not realize it, what it ends up, investments are all based upon at least good investment should be built and constructed upon what your needs are, what your in, what your income needs are going to be, when you're going to be spending the principal, what your time horizon is for that, how comfortable are you with the ups and downs in the markets, all those things. And if you've got mm-hmm. two advisors that know they're kind of competing against another, 
you might have one take a little more risk than they would otherwise, hoping that it's a good year for the market. And they could say, that guy's an idiot. Look how poor he did compared to mine. You need to transfer that account over here. I mean, that's what ends up kind of happening. It's a bit but of a But if they didn't know they were competing, they wouldn't necessarily know they were competing, yeah. would yeah, they? Yeah, I don't think it matters one way or the other. If you've got someone who's acting as a fiduciary, you, that's not, they don't manufacture their own products that go out in the marketplace right. and does what's best for you, then I would just use one, one advisor. Are you using a firm like Fidelity or Schwab or are you using a third-party uh, investment advisory firm? It's a third-party, very okay. large. Perfect, 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 perfect. And the reason is, is they don't have a dog in the fight. They're An not independent firm or are they a big bank? No, no, they're independent. Okay. They're independent. Perfect, right. perfect, perfect. They, and the reason is they're, they're not pushing any of their own manufactured product, right? So yeah, I so would, both, both accounts live together in the Schwab. Yeah, holds, the custodial. Holds the funds. Mm -hmm. Part of it's managed, part of it's me. Yeah, yeah. If, if you're tired of managing, or, or just give it to the firm you've got yeah. the money with. Yep. Okay. Well, what if you are not particularly enamored with? Well, then the I'd fire the firm's them. Doing. Well, then, I, then if that's the case, then I then I would <laughs> talk to somebody else. And my guess is, if you'll talk to someone else, you like them more, and you're going to think, I just I'm going to bet on this one instead. Yeah. If you're not happy okay. with it, okay. If you, if you, this is how I think about investments. Would I buy that today? And if the answer is no, you shouldn't put any more money into it, nor should you own it. That gets rid of the emotion. And the problems tend to tend to appear in terms of not of, not of the nuts and bolts and the and the holdings, but just the public persona of the company, etc. So, which has changed radically over the years. I don't know what that means, but if you wouldn't buy it today, then don't I think it's it. an existing <laughs> advisory relationship. The fact that you call us to ask for financial planning question and instead of your advisors oh, tells us this might not be the best oh, relationship. Oh, got it, got it, it. This is after one of the principals said some things in a public forum? Well, it's just, you know, it's been sold a couple of times, and so things have changed over time, and it's very right. different than when I originally held it. So right. Had the firm anyway. So. Anyway. Right. Anyway. Yeah. So I think your main question on don't give your house to your daughter. Yeah. <laughs> right. And by the, the way, Pat, my I have uh, four kids. My two older ones, very different financially. My daughter is always asking for money for me. She always wants money. Can I pay for this? Can I pay this? Nonstop. And my son, he graduated college in the middle of a pandemic. Living, living in Santa Barbara, teaching paragliding. Not making a lot, lot of money. So I was helping him out, and he said, Dad, I don't need this much money from you anymore. Wow. And I'm paying his rent now. And he was like, you don't need to do that. Wow. And I said, I'm happy to do it. So, But he sees his sister that I've helped out more, and I don't think he cares. Oh. I think I, he doesn't view it as a horse race. And I even said to him something like, said, if you want to pursue a career that you love that doesn't provide enough, I said, I don't mind actually helping you a little. And he says... Well, I want to find my own way. I want to be able to take care of myself. And oh, not that's have, nice. That's what I thought. Yeah. My daughter's very different. Girl, <laughs> so. my kids don't ask for money much uh, other than the fact they do the Costco two-step, which is amazing. Which is what? Uh, anytime my wife's around uh, them visiting, like we were in Denver a couple of weeks ago visiting my son. He had to go to the Costco. Well, of uh, course. With, Mom's in town. With, he ended up with an air conditioner. <laughs> Good for him. <laughs> That's what I said to him. I said, it's a rental house. What happens if you move? He said, I'll take it with me. All right. Let's uh, continue on here. Let's talk with uh, Paul. Paul, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. Hi, guys. Um, love your show. Thank uh, you. Long time listener. And uh, so... Uh, and I do know which one has hair, I think. <laughs> anyway, so, so here's my, my question um, is, do I have enough to retire dot, dot, dot again? <laughs> I retired the first time about 12 years ago um, and realized uh, a few years later that I probably didn't have enough. So I'm back in, uh, in the workforce. But um, based upon all the questions of data asks that I hear from you guys, others, here, I've kind of got, here's, the, here's all the, the questions that I think are that you ask. So okay. I'm 66. I'm 66. My wife is 60. Uh, we live in the Central Coast of California. Four adult kids. Um, three are married and a bunch of grands. And and uh, like you, some of them are Costco two steppers. <laughs> and um, our current annual taxable income is about 170, of which 120 is W2, and about 50 is from a pension I started 11 years ago. Uh, I have about 58000 a year also from a 
non-taxable annuity that my wife's had for a long time based upon a, a, a settlement. Uh, and have you started Social that, Security? Just started it. We, I wasn't going to until 70, but then um, someone suggested, why don't you start it and just dump it all in a mortgage? We, we have a house. It's valued about nine nine fifty, probably closer to nine fifty. Uh, but we have a mortgage of, of, of five hundred thousand. So I started just a few months ago, taking taking Social Security and dumping all of that to the mortgage. Um, uh, we have about nine hundred thousand in in qualified accounts, IRR and four hundred one k, plus another about sixty thousand in a investment, a hundred thousand in, in a brokerage account, and a hundred thousand in cash. Um, no other debt other than a small student loan my wife to put to she went back to school recently oh. um to get her bachelor and graduate and stuff so um so that's how much did you say you had in your 401ks and iras it's called a million. Uh, little over nine a little over 900 you know right now we're dumping since i went back to work i'm pretty much trying to dump as much as i can i'm maxing out every year on the 401 401k contribution as, as well as my okay. wife has a Go ahead. And on your mortgage, did you refinance recently into a thirty-year fixed? It is a thirty-year fixed, and it's a two-nine-five. Okay, so don't don't put any more money into this thing, into that mortgage. You're not going to pay this thing off really? before you die. Right. And your payments okay. aren't going to change unless you have an opportunity to do a reamortization on it. When do right. you? Okay. It's not you're you're not going to have enough time to really make that much of a difference. So let's say that you work, you you push hard, and you're getting that thing paid down, and now it's three hundred thousand, and you're like, okay, now I'm just going to resume payments. The payments are going to be based upon what the original mortgage was, not what the some mortgages allow for a reamortization where you can say, hey, there's supposed to be twenty six years left. Given the fact my balance is so much lower, can you? figure out my payments now and they'll say, Oh, we're happy to do that. But not all of them. You're not going to get this thing paid off by the time you die. And if you do, let's say you pay it off the day before you die. It's just more money for the kids to spend. Um, right. There. <laughs> yeah. So can you retire today? It's close. It's close. The fact is you had 120,000, 120,000 W2 income and it's being replaced with right now, social security and um, but granted, you've been paying you've been paying into your retirement account, which you wouldn't be doing once you're retired, and you're right. you've got your almost a million bucks saved up in your retirement that could provide thirty forty thousand dollars a year in income. It's close. It's close. It's close. Yeah, yeah. Well, my, I'd, my, I'd, my, I'd I'd yeah, get with right. an advisor and and rent and go through all these numbers here. This is not a. This isn't yeah. like oh. It, it 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 will require a, a change in your standard of living some. If you retired immediately. If you retired immediately. Yeah. And yeah. so kind of being able to look at all right, what happens if we wait a year, two years, three years, and, and give you some options like this is what it means to me. What's the cost-benefit analysis, essentially? So you say instead of – I mean, we didn't need Social Security right now to live on, uh, and I sure didn't want to spend it. Um, so – you're, if I hear you correctly, you're saying don't don't dump it in the mortgage. That's right. Don't put, just dump it in. Dump it in the retirement or account. or freeze it and, until or you retire. Yeah. Assuming yeah. assuming should you I have should, a normal life expectancy. That's what I would I do. Start. Um, yes. Should I start? A, I mean, none of my none of my IRA is, is a Roth. Oh, should I start dumping? No. Open up a Roth and. No, no, not now. Not now. Not now. No. Not at that income level. So what you want to do is just freeze your Social Security. Just stop it. That's what I would do. Right. Assuming, that way it's going to start growing again. It's going to start growing again. Just forget you ever took it. Just call it. Social no, Security. before you do that, you need, you need a full retirement plan. Get with a good advisor to do a retirement plan. You can look at all these uh -huh. different scenarios. What happens if I do this? What happens if I do that? What happens if I pay down the mortgage? What's happening? My, can I do a reamortization on my mortgage? What would that mean? What if I worked for four more years? What if I worked for two more years? Those that You need to go through that decision tree, and then it'll come to those decisions on I, Scott's right because I'm thinking you're probably going to work for another two years and in which case you yeah. would freeze your social security but you may be able to retire today it's a I mean it's 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 close, close. you know the, and the yeah. tie goes to the runner yeah yeah okay all right all appreciate right. the call you wish you well there Paul Thanks for uh, being a longtime listener of our show yeah let's now talk with uh, Mike Mike you're with All Worth Money Matters hey Scott and Pat love your show thank you Hey, I have a question regarding an UTMA account that I've had for my daughter since she was young. Uh, the, the account has grown from about 5K to about 60K. 
my daughter is currently 24 years old and will be going back to graduate school. Mm-hmm. And for the next two or three years, uh, we'll have little to no income. Um, we won't need this money for grad school and likely she can use it for a down payment for a house for the future. I'm wondering if this would be a good time for her to cash out from the mutual fund and turn around and reinvest it and take the hit on capital gains when, when there is zero to little income. She might want to spread that out. Yes, but maybe spread it out over a few different years, tax years. When she's in graduate school, assuming that she has no income. I like your thinking. Does she have no income now? Um, currently, she does have income. Yeah. Okay, but She's still part time, making about twenty five grand. Yeah, there's still some room at a zero capital gain tax rate. Yep. It, it absolutely makes yep. sense. Yep, 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 yep. What age does the kitty okay, tax so, go to? Twenty four? So I think it's twenty five. But that's off the top of my head. Yeah, there's kitty tax rules. I don't remember if it's twenty four. But she can convert it out of the Utman to her name. Yes. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, yes, explore it. He might want to do it over two years, okay. three years, just depending. I mean, you're going to have to do a pro forma on a tax return. Yeah, you will. That's what I would do. All right. You're, Appreciate it. Thank you're a good dad. What a great dad. Seriously. Well, well, fortunately, the investments have grown very well since, uh, what, since she was, what, three or four years old. So it's been, it's been great for the last 20 years, so. That's but, pretty good, I must say. That, that Not only that, but your good dad actually t- having the discussion with her about how to actually get the money out as tax efficiently as possible. It very rarely takes place in most families that they have these discussions about. How many people put a five grand in an Etmo when their kid's three? That's pretty rare, too. Pretty rare. Yeah, pretty rare. And then actually having discussions about tax liability on distribution. Spend the money to go get new furniture for the living room. And- there are a lot of competing interests. Yeah, Seriously. vacation, going to Hawaii. Lots of anyway, appreciate the call. Yeah, wish you well. Let's talk to uh, Gordon. Gordon, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. Um, hold on here. All right. We got nothing going on. Hello. Can you hear me? <laughs> yes. <laughs> How can we help can you, you, Gordon? Can you hear me? Yes. Oh, yeah. Thanks for taking my call, you guys. Um, I, I just had a question about when to take Social Security. All right. Okay. Uh, I'm, uh, 66. I'll be 67 in October. Okay. I've been retired for about 10 years. You have a pension? Uh, yeah, it's small, but I have one. All right. What are you living off now? Uh, investments and my pension. And how much, uh, how much do you have invested and how much is your pension? So what's the corpus? What's the principal Uh, amount of the investment? Uh, I got 3.2 million of my 401k, which I don't take anything out of. Okay. And my pension is like pensions, 22,000 a year. And then I have another, uh, 2.9 million in other investments. What was your uh, taxable income last year? It was only about 68,000. Did you convert to a Roth IRA last year? No, I have a, I have a Roth IRA. But you didn't convert. Have you converted any, since you retired, have you converted any of your money from your IRA to your Roth IRA? No. Okay. So, uh, you have tremendous planning opportunities above and beyond when you take social security. Oh, Um, okay. Because of what your, the marginal tax rate you're in, you should possibly defer taking social security and can what i'm worried about is you hit 72 and you've got required minimum distributions you you go from a nice low tax bracket to suddenly one of those that say he's not paying his paying his fair share so you will go to uh, assuming that there's no growth on your account now in the next six years which isn't a fair assumption your distribution on your ira alone will be north of ninety five thousand dollars a year right Let's assume yes. that this thing goes up yeah. by a half again, then it's $140,000 a, a year. So what happens, we missed a couple years of planning here, Gordon, where we could have actually converted from a regular IRA to a Roth IRA. You, Social Security is part of it, right? Social Security is mm-hmm. part of it, but you may want to defer Social Security at age 70 
Yeah. And convert as much from the IRA to the Roth IRA. But the challenge as is he's also at the income level where he could be a target of reduction on Social Security. Which is exactly what the issue is. So we missed a couple of planning years here. And when we talk about income level reduction, it doesn't require it now, but it will in the future, most likely. Where it could be means tested. Yeah, means tested. So actually, um, you got some work to do. Yeah. You're, and it. In a perfect world, the last decade, we could have been converting some of this to a Roth at a lower tax rate, hedged our tax bets. Our concern now is, um, I understand why you want to take Social Security now, because from a net worth standpoint, I think it makes sense. But given the the issues you've got... Um, you need to you, uh, you need to do some more planning. I, we can't answer on the call. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You need to convert. Hey, we're taking a quick break. Some, stick around for more of All Worth's Money Matters with Scott Hansen and Pat McLean. Get enough of Allworth's Money Matters? Visit allworthfinancial.com slash radio to listen to the Money Matters podcast. All right, welcome back to Allworth's Money Matters. Scott Hansen, Pat McLean. And uh, let's talk here oh, wait, with... Wait, Scott. What? Yeah, man. I'm going to promote the show. If you like this show or listen to the podcast, um, please feel free to join us uh, and ask your questions at 833-99-WORTH. 833-999-6784. And if you're listening to a podcast, please, um, if you like it, go ahead and rate it. Um, because review. Review it. But don't you give stars? It's called a review. Give us a review. Okay. Right? Come give us a review. What well, is a rating? If you're giving someone stars, it's a rating, and then you write the review. So we're both right. Yes. Um, All right. Let's talk now. <laughs> if you want to join the show, 833 833- 99 worth is the number 833-999-6784. We're talking with Don. Don, you're with All Worth's Money Matters. Hi. Hi, Don. Um, I have you on speakerphone. I have you on speakerphone with my wife, Julie. Okay, Julie. Hi, Julie. We own a small. Hi. We own a small business, and we're 64 and 65 years old. So we're thinking maybe we'll sell it soon. Maybe we'll sell it later. We're both in good health. Uh, but, you know, we have some friends who have advised us, if you can retire now, do it. So my question is, um, when we are ready to sell this business, do you think it's best to use a, a business broker or um, just send out flyers or contact um, my competitors? Let me ask a couple questions. Um, what type of business is it? A retail bakery. Okay. So, um, and what is the approximate revenue of the of the of the uh, bakery uh, last year? About three hundred and seventy thousand. Okay. And what's it net? About seventy. Okay. Yeah, you you're gonna um, so you have a couple choices. One is you can do an internal succession, uh, which is someone that is in the bakery that works for you now wants to take it over. Right. The problem there, the risk doesn't covering, really leave yes. you. Right. Right. You end up covering the. You carry a note. Maybe the person doesn't can't pay the note. They they can't run the business. You come back, take it uh, back. Next thing you know, you know. You retire two years from now, you're baking croissants at 6 a.m. in the morning, right? Um, right, right. In this size business, and the reason I asked the size and the revenue is because there are business brokers that actually work in certain spaces. So if you own a convenience store, you would actually find someone that actually just does convenience stores or mini storage or something along those lines. You're going to want to use a business broker and you're going to want to interview two or three of them before you actually um, do this. 
Um, the problem is, is there's probably not that many trades uh, in the U.S. on businesses, bakeries, uh, or restaurants this size. Uh, so it's hard to determine what the multiple of revenues or EBITDA, earnings before interest tax and depreciation. And it's worth whatever someone's going to pay. Is going to be. So it's going to be worth whatever anyone is willing to pay. And if it's a competitor who thinks, is this the kind of bakery where people come in and get croissant stuff? Or do you bake stuff and deliver it out to restaurants? Both. And, and what percentage of retail? And what percentage of your business is wholesale? About 15 to 20%. Okay, okay. okay, so most of And the reason I asked that question, if it was the other way around, it was 85% wholesale, you'd actually go to your biggest client and ask them to actually buy you. Uh, but yours is the other way around. It's sure. 85% retail, 15% of wholesale. So the answer to the question is yes, you want to use a business broker. Okay. And it's, 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 good, it's probably going to be an owner-operator, right? That's right. It's going to be a someone small. who's yeah. mid-age. They want a different change in career, and here's an opportunity. I mean, um, just be careful. You don't want to carry any debt on the on the transaction going forward if you can help it. You want to get as much money as you possibly can up front. And I don't care if it requires the person right. buying it has to borrow money from their home or raid their four hundred one k or their or IRA. From their mother, it's not your problem. You want to get as much money on the up front front side and you want it to be a fixed amount, not based upon future revenues or any other formula. Come up with a price. This is the price. Pay the cash. I'll train you for three months. I'm going to walk away. And I, I think it's wise to go through this process now, whether or not you decide to sell now, because you never know what happens in life. Right. And what we know is, is roughly one out of two of us retire earlier than we'd planned because of a health issue, something, whatever, right? Things, life happens at times. And you're going to get a much better value for the business when things are going well. Scott, I was going to point out exactly that. You don't know if this transaction is going to take a month or two three years. years. You have no idea, right? So you want to interview two or three business brokers as quickly as possible, get their estimate, and talk to some of the people that they have represented in the past. Don't rely on what they tell you. You want to talk to people in the past that they've done, and you are going to ask the people they have done transactions with, what price did they actually market the business for? What did they end up getting for the business? What were the terms of the transaction? Who handled the legal aspect of it? If we're lucky, I'm guessing if you're lucky, this business will go for 300, 350, which would be five yeah. multiple of EBITDA. Um, it, that that would be on a high side. Maybe I, I don't. So maybe but, more. I don't. Know. I don't know. I don't know. But but it, yeah, I'm, there, it, I mean, it, it could be someone else in the industry that says, "Oh, we can do it for a lot less expensive than what they're doing for it," and they crunch their own numbers. And who know? Who knows? But this is the exploratory process you need to go through now. Yeah. And, and by the way, Scott and I own an investment advisory business. We buy investment advisory businesses that become part of us. Yes, they become partners, but it's, it is a transaction. It is a right. transaction. So we're fairly familiar with the space of these uh, what they call M&A, mergers and acquisitions, because we do a fair amount of it in our industry ourselves, as well as running Allworth. Um so it is, it is a process, and the earlier you start, the better it will be. Okay. All righty. Good. Thank yeah. you for your help. Yeah, thank you. Call. Glad you called. That um, was an interesting call. We don't normally get those. Well, it, what is interesting, there, you know, I mean, there are millions of Don and Julie's out there with nice little businesses, nearing retirement. Veterinarians, dentists, yeah, all kinds of doctors, orthodontists, chiropractors. Dry cleaners. Dry cleaners. Yogurt shops. Yeah. There's lots of profitable small businesses that um, they're, they're aging out. Yeah. Well, whole society I mean, yes. is a, to, to some And the, the earlier, if you have one of those businesses, the earlier you start on the process, the better, because you do not want a distressed or fire sale. Nope. Never works. I mean, it's good for the buyer, but not for you. All right. Let's continue on. 833-99-WORTH. Talking with Anna. Anna, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. Hi, guys. How Hi. are you? We're wonderful. 
I have hopefully a simpler question for you, and it's about retirement. Um, I'm looking at retiring probably in about five years at my minimum retirement age. And I think that right now I have all of my retirement venues funded to the max, and I'm wondering what else I can do to make sure that I'm not going to be eating cat food in my old year. And Anna, you use the term minimum retirement I know, I've heard, age. I hadn't heard that one. What What is that? Well, I work for the federal government. Okay, so, thank you. Um, so it's the minimum age that you can leave with a vested pension. And what age is that? Uh, 56 and 10 months. Okay. And, are you, and how old are you today? You're 51. You're 51. Uh, are you burnt out? Um... No, but I don't want to work a day after I have okay, to. Okay. <laughs> no, but I'm I'm retiring. Not one day longer. Okay. And are you are you married? Are you married? No. And uh, are you supporting any children? No. Okay. And what percentage of your salary will this um, pension replace? Uh, let's see. So I think my pension is going to be about. 35000 a year. Um, we get a thing called Social Security offset. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so okay. I think that's going to be about another like 20 or something like that. Oh, oh the, a bridge? Um, they'll pay you extra until age 62 or 63? Or? Until the, I think it's the first, um, the first retirement date that, or the first Social Security date. That's right, date. yeah. It's 62. Yeah. That's a, it's a bridge. So uh, then it will, then it, uh, so that's 55. And what's your what's your salary now? Uh, about a hundred. And how much money do you have in your uh, TSP thrift savings plan? Uh, when I looked at it the other day, which was before it took a nosedive last week, it was about nine thirty. And do you owe anyone any money? By the way, it didn't take a nosedive. Wait till it's down twenty percent. Yeah, it was off slightly. <laughs> it was off slightly. The problem, you know, the problem, Anna. You're getting like, retirement's now, and you're you're starting to think more about it, right? It's five years out, and you're watching this a little closer. It's gotten large, so now a ten percent swing. Ten percent's not that much, but a ten percent swing is now ninety three thousand dollars. That's a whole year's worth of work. You can't view it that way. Yeah. Or you're going to go crazy. And uh, who do you owe money to? Um. No one. And your question is, can you, do we think you can retire in five years? Uh, what else can I do with my money? I'm maxed out on my TSP. I'm maxed out on a Roth. Um, I've got money going into savings. Um, I just don't, I don't think that there are any other um, tax deferred or even. Well, you, you could just go out and buy, you can just go buy, let's say an S&P 500 index fund or and, ETF, just. Yeah, it, it, which isn't, which is by its very nature is tax efficient, and under current tax law, current tax law, capital gains rates are are lower than ordinary. It's not as good as the Roth, but no. you maxed out the Roth. No, and so how much money do you have in savings? Uh, about ninety. And how much money do you have in your brokerage account? Uh, about three hundred. And how much money do you have in Roth? Oh wait. Um, I thought that was my brokerage account. Oh. Okay, you've got three hundred grand in a Roth. Yeah. My gosh, I don't know how much more money you actually need to save. <laughs> I don't think you do. No, truly, I'm said dead serious too. I don't think you need to save so much more money. Just keep putting money into my wine. No, rack. to into your what? Into my wine rack. Well, that's well. It, listen. If that's you know, you, if you do enough of it, you'll shorten your life expectancy, I mean, and you won't need as much money. <laughs> So, you, Anna, you're at this p- place in your life because you've been concerned about your retirement. You're concerned about your finances. You've lived below your means probably your whole life, my guess. Right? You're frugal about your finances. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why you're in the position you're at right now where you're 50 years old. You've got over a million dollars saved in retirement accounts. You've got a house that's paid for. And you've got to have a really nice pension in another six, another five years. Quite frankly, sounds like a hard, hard position to be in. Doesn't well, it? well, you made yourself, you put yourself in that position. I mean, you should take credit for it, right? You, you, <laughs> you. It would be it, sacrifice became part of your lifestyle. Yes, which you can choose to continue going forward, or you can moderate. Yeah, 
And by moderation... My mother is 81. She still saves every month. Your mom does? Yes. I don't know why, but she feels... 82. She feels good about saving a little bit every month into a savings account or something. Good for you, mom. Good for you. She retired 20 years. She's been saving every month since she's been retired. So she's living off her pension. She just feels better about herself, I guess, when she saves. So you... So the answer to the question is all the tax deferred vehicles have actually... You've used them all. You're using the Roth, um, maximizing the 457, or excuse me, the thrift savings plan. The, you could buy the S&P 500, just buy it. You can invest more. You can buy more wine bottles. You can travel. You can do whatever your, you want. Your, Don't change your current saving habits in terms of putting the money in the Roth and putting the money into your uh, thrift savings what, plan. How much you put, you're maximizing the thrift savings plan? Yeah, so it's what, like 21, I think? I mean, See, you're going to make something grand. like six or seven for Roth. Yeah, you're going to. So you're making 100 grand and you already got seven, you already have 30,000, 30% going to retirement. Yeah. Right? Yep. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, sure. And plus the, the lovely taxes we pay. That's right. That's right. You'll be fine. Just don't change that, spend the rest. And don't watch the 401k. Make sure, spend money with an advisor to make sure the thrift savings plan and the Roth are allocated correctly. Um, yeah, don't watch it. But don't watch it. And if you're not comfortable. Oh, I, I don't. Okay. Okay. Well, you use the word nose dive. Yeah, the only reason I <laughs> had to look at that is because I had an appointment with your friend um, for an estate planning earlier this morning. Oh, okay. So. All right. Oh. Well, good. Hopefully it went well. So. All right. Anyway, I appreciate glad the call. you called. Thank you, Anna. We, we said we were. We said we, <laughs> a couple weeks ago we said we're not going to talk about it anymore. About crypto stuff, cryptocurrencies. Uh, yeah. Yes, it's everywhere. It's everywhere, and everywhere in the news. You mean? Yes, it's everywhere. Everyone talks about it. Yes, it's. I don't. I, I don't. I don't get it. It's look. It is the Silk Road of money. It is built for speculation and black market transactions. That's what it's for. If I'm a not the blockchain, no, not the. Let's not confuse the two. Not the technology behind the coin. No, that is here to stay. Of course, and 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 brilliant, right? It's a ledger that a visible ledger. It's yeah, it makes all the sense in the world. But the Bitcoin itself, that you could create any sort of a currency. You and I could come out with all worth coin tomorrow. We could. Facebook was going to have one for a while, didn't they? Remember? They, Were they? Yeah, a couple of years ago. Well, um, Zuckerberg's face was going to be on the coin. <laughs> I don't know. Dressed as a Roman emperor. He had a little olive thing around his head. <laughs> in a white robe. <laughs> he, I think he's one of those guys who's probably not all that highly loved and respected. Oh, I don't know. I don't know the guy. Um, but I, as a personal, I, I just mean as a. Uh, oh, you mean in the uh, a business tycoon guy? Oh, I don't. I don't know. But so let's let's talk a little bit about this. What this Bitcoin cryptocurrency Doge? There's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of these coins out there now. Yes, hundreds. Right. So the ones that we hear about, you see in the press, are Bitcoin and Dogecoin and. Ethereum or Ethron or whatever it's called. Yeah, 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 yeah whatever, whatever. <clears throat> the danger in these, right? Remember, it is an auction market based solely on what someone else is willing to pay for it. It has no intrinsic value in and of itself, other than we look back in the years, where have we seen this before? We've seen it in tulips, had almost no intrinsic value. Right. Well, those were the Dutch. Okay. Well, that was 500 years ago. But they were, at the time, they were the richest economy in the world. I know, I'm teasing about that. <laughs> right? Yes, of course. The, the Dutch were the richest economy in the world at the time. They, they, they were the traders of the world, right? We have seen this with beanie babies. We have seen this with baseball cards. But those, even then, had some value. Why did beanie babies do well? Why do baseball cards do well? Right, if you well, were, like in the tulip mania, the tulips they were going for years worth of wages. I mean, multiple years of wages, yes. right? But it was because someone else was able to bid more, right? The difference I think about this, 
crypto money, Scott, is that there is a, a use for it in the, in the black market, which is it's easy well, uh, to move currencies around the world. I mean, there's you look at it, there's a couple major flaws here. The, the first, and I don't know why no one's been discussing this until um, Musk brought it up about a month or so ago, on, is the energy usage to create more of Bitcoin is massive. And now it's come out in news. We're seeing stories. But we talked about this a I just couple remember, months ago, several months ago, a year ago. There was an article uh, uh, about it. And we're like, so every there's a finite amount of coins, but there's still a lot more that can be minted or mined. mined. But the amount of energy, and I'm thinking, aren't we at a time when the, the <laughs> we've got activists that are getting on the boards of of oil companies saying you got to stop your carbon footprint? There was a couple of weeks ago. There was a, one of the European com- countries said. Uh, I forget which oil company it was that they've got to reduce their carbon footprint by 50%. So we've got all this green moving this direction. And yet at the same time, which oftentimes the same group of people that are behind these, the coins, the coin, but what but, takes massive amount of but, energy but to create it, nothing. It will be, this is a, it is a spectacular bubble. Um, that was my first flaw. Okay. First. The second one that you just alluded to, it's the illicit payments. And if you look at the amount of cyber uh, ransomware, ran- ransom that we've seen the last couple of years, it's skyrocketing because the bad guys have a form of payment. They don't have to set up a shell company and get take a credit card. This is, hey, it's cryptocurrency. No one's going to know. It's impossible to track who this is. And so if there was no way to exchange cash... There wouldn't be as nearly as much of this ransom stuff. That's right, right? I mean, we every company worries about it. We worry about it. We've got extra people on staff that do nothing just to make sure we're secure for this sort of thing. And it, it governments, well, we saw it a couple of weeks ago with the pipeline that was shut down. They paid a ransom. They paid a ransom, right? And it facilitates through this cryptocurrency. So you've got China. They're putting the clamp. They can do anything they want because China's. Yeah, they do anything they want. That's yeah. There's no such really. There's no such thing as private company in China. You can pretend there is. You can pretend that it's a private company, but you're there at the pleasure of the government, right? So China and you can comes be arrested in. at the pleasure of the government tomorrow because they decided they don't like what you're doing any longer. Th- that's right. That, so that's that you're not gonna even in Hong Kong. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. Pretty crazy. So the the fear is where does it blow up when country after country after country would just comes in and says you're just not doing this anymore we're going to kill you if we find out you're <laughs> right. doing in crypto yeah, right well, and there's there's people in the United States some legislators that think we need to be regulating this more well naturally since my my kid was asking how do you pay taxes on crypto i said how do you t- pay taxes or will people pay taxes on the gains in crypto well, the IRS is already going after. I think they're looking for, they're requiring like Coinbase and some of those companies to uh, issue 1099s, just like a brokerage account. If you got, you, you know, at the end of the year, you get a statement from the bank or statement from your brokerage company stating here's what you've got in interest and gains and all that stuff. They send it off to the tax man as well. So you better report it because the tax man knows about it. So they're going right now and already looking. I think that bogey was $10,000 or more. Uh, and they're saying, all right, let me see what, what income taxes people pay it, on this. It, this, um, this won't end well. I mean, and we've seen tremendous volatility in these coins. And by the way, those are the coins that actually take off. The coins that don't take off. We talk about it all the time. We talked about it weeks ago about the special purpose acquisition companies, which are other bubbles. And those have gotten just <laughs> decimated. No, boy, you want to talk... Can we switch topics? We only have, we don't well, have no, much no, time. But left. the All point right. being is our big, we always talk about on the show with clients, what we help them do is make decisions that they can't, that, that, that keep them from making mistakes from which they cannot recover. That's right. That's financial mistake. They cannot recover. And when make I get a decision with their finances, it's irrevocable. Yes. Changes their lives. Yeah. And these SPAC companies are more of the same. What I find interesting about the SPAC companies, special purpose acquisition <clears throat> company, right? we talked about, we did talk about it a few weeks ago, but essentially it's a, it's a way to avoid a normal process of going public, which is highly burdensome regulatory, costs you millions of dollars. It's a way to go around this. And they figured out these, the guys who put these together, hey, if we, we can structure these right, right, and we can make fat money off this, we can maybe make 20% of what we raise 
just the way padding our pockets on doing these. They call it fat stacks. That's what the kids call it. They're <laughs> okay. making fat stacks. So what ends up happening with these special purpose acquisition companies, these SPACs, they raise a certain amount of capital and then they have a finite window, typically two years, to go out and find a company to buy. So you're betting on the management team that is going to go out there, which is why they put a lot of celebrities and sports stars behind them because it gives some sort of credibility. Like a celebrity has some sort of a background in investing. So you've got Not these- that they don't. You've got these SPACs that are traded that don't own anything yet. There's a value behind them. They're look, still looking to buy something. And what I kind of scratch my head, I'm like, how many of these SPACs have been committed? How much capital must either be deployed within that 24-month window or returned to the investors? So how much bidding are we going to see on companies just from, I mean, how much is this going to create some more speculative boom? If you're the, if you're the sponsor behind a SPAC and you're thinking you might make 20 million bucks on this thing or $2 million, whatever the number is, that's a lot of money. And suddenly you find yourself, we're having trouble finding anything. You're going to go out and buy a piece of garbage. You'll buy anything at that point. In time. Instead of taking a zero. Yeah. And returning money. Well, back you're to clearly the conflicted. You do not, you make nothing if you return the money back to Correct. the investors. It costs you a bunch of money. So you're going to end up actually ending up with, with who knows whatever. And so these stocks, actually some of the SPACs that have, haven't even acquired companies yet have actually started trading down. That's for that reason. For that reason, they I've, started trading I, down. So I you, think it's going to be an interesting to, to watch this over the next uh, year. Yeah. Year and fortunately the issuance of SPAC special purpose acquisition companies has actually gone down. Well, no one wants to sell them anymore. Yes, I saw that. I shouldn't too. say nobody, but I mean, people are looking. I'm like, I don't think this is the best option. The bloom's off the rose here, and this doesn't look as good as uh, Evan was stating it was going to look. Yeah. But the old, there's an old saying on Wall Street when the ducks quack, feed them. It's a terrible saying. That's Wall Street. It's why we're not part of Wall Street, why we've been an independent firm for since uh, 1993. So anyway, we're out of time. It's been great uh, having you with us. Um, again, if you haven't been on our website, All Worth Financial in a while, I encourage you to do so. There's some great educational materials there, and hopefully it'll make you a wiser um, investor going forward. And we'll see you next week. This has been All Worth's Money Matters. This program has been brought to you by All Worth Financial, a registered investment advisory firm. Any ideas presented during this program are not intended to provide specific financial advice. You should consult your own financial advisor, tax consultant, or estate planning attorney to conduct your own due diligence.